0: Hello there, it's Jamila Jamil. Are you by any chance listening to this podcast promo while out on a walk? If so, good for you. That's gonna make both your mind and your body feel better. On my podcast, I Weigh, this month, we're gonna be exploring mental health and talking to amazing guests about other things that you can do to make yourself feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm actor and comedian Griffin Newman. And I'm
1: film critic David Sims. Together, we host Blank Check, a movie podcast where week by week, we
0: overanalyze directors' complete filmographies.
1: In each new series, we discuss filmmakers who experience early success and are issued a series of Blank Checks by Hollywood to make their own crazy passion projects.
0: Now, sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. We're
1: joined each week by incredible guests, including actors, writers, and directors. So you can follow Blank Check with Griffin and David on Spotify for new episodes every Sunday.
0: Warning, the opinions in this podcast were performed by professionals. So for your safety and the protection of those around you, do not attempt any of the opinions you have just heard.
1: I'm Paul Shear, and this is the Jackass Podcast Episode.
0: everyone and welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled. I am Amy Nicholson. And
1: I am Paul Shear and this is the podcast where we are endeavoring to find the 100 best movies of all time. I think our list is about 40 or 45 at this point so we have a long way to go before we get to launching 100 into outer space. But today we are going to knock off a lot of films because we are using Jackass the movie as our starting off point. But we are going to focus on actually all for Jackass films. Don't worry. If you've not seen Jackass forever, we are not going to give you many spoilers, but we are going to talk about it as part of this conversation because this movie is coming out. And you know my feeling about this movie. I think that this is our modern day Buster Keaton. I think that these guys are absolutely amazing. No one makes films like this. And Amy and I both...
0: this is an argument that we've actually even made on this show because when we did a Buster Keaton episode, when we did The General, we had Jeff Tremaine come on and talk about The Buster Keaton stunt that they do in Jackass 2, where they have the house fall over Johnny Knoxville and talk about the history of, like, men and women, now in the case of Jackass Forever, doing outrageous things with their bodies for the sake of audience entertainment. The raw, sheer power of thrills. You know, Paul, we have never braved a four-film episode before. We've covered all three movies in the Godfather trilogy. We did that, you know, step by step by step. Four films, one episode. I think if we can make this jump, We deserve all the slaps on the back in the world. And if we fail, Paul, I have this baby alligator and he's going to bite you on the elbow.
1: Oh, well, well, I mean, at least it's an elbow, not my nipple.
0: Uh, I I thought I'd go nice for
1: you. And by the way, pat on the back. We need punching the balls. Amy, uh, I think that there's no better moment than to just jump in and unspool it. The year is 2002. George Bush creates the Department of Homeland Security in order to fight threats of terrorism. Kelly Clarkson wins the first American Idol contestant, and the hot films are Chicago, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and Jackass the movie. The year is 2006. Nintendo releases the Wii gaming console. Apple Records, founded by the Beatles, loses a trademark lawsuit to Apple after 30 years of disputes. A 16 year old from Detroit purchases the billionth download on iTunes, and the popular films are Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Cars, X Men, The Last Stand, and Jackass Number Two. The year is 2010. The financial crisis continues in the States with high unemployment and an unprecedented number of housing foreclosures. Apple releases the iPad. Instagram launches and gains 1 million users in two months. And 90,000 internal reports regarding the U.S. involvement in the war in Afghanistan and over a quarter of a million diplomatic cables are published to WikiLeaks. And the popular movies are Toy Story 3, Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, and Jackass 3D. Amy, those are the first three Jackass movies. And, you know, while the bits change, the plot does not. Who makes it? What's it about? Who's in it?
0: (laughs) Jackass lore. Okay, let's jump back. About 25 years ago, Jeff Tremaine, the magazine editor of a skateboarding magazine called Big Brother, had the idea to put together the craziest people he knew, including one of his writers, Johnny Knoxville, to do the craziest show in the world captured by... Knoxville, Knoxville being this charismatic cult leader of pain who gets people to embarrass and hurt themselves in ways both bizarre and baroque and ways that are just obviously stupid go down this water slide into a pile of dirt. Uh, Jackass started as an MTV show. It did three seasons before it had to be, you know, taken off the air by the guys themselves for safety reasons. They said the network would not let them keep going as hard as they wanted on the small screen. Their stunts weren't dangerous enough. So Knoxville and his crew took their talents to the big screen, beyond Knoxville, our brave souls are Bam Margera, Steve O, Ryan Dunn, Jason Wiman-Akuna, Preston Lacey, Chris Pontius, Danger Aaron, and Dave England. Listen to the sound of pain. Oh, good.
1: Play some music. Oh, you're oh, nice. Play some music.
0: <laughs> 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 so yes as paul recap there have been three jackass movies to date jackass one from 2002 jackass number two from 2006 and jackass 3d from 2010 and of course jackass forever that just came out now in february of 2022 which paul and i have both seen we'll probably bring up we'll probably try not to spoil too much but it's hard not to spoil something well Good luck, this is at your own risk, you have been cautioned as you heard at the beginning of this podcast. But let us start musically with the first Jackass, which came out technically specifically on October 25th, 2002. And what song was in the Zeitgeist, what was number one on the Billboard charts? Well, Nelly and Kelly, Nelly and Kelly Rowland, were also singing about bad decisions in the song Dilemma. Number one on the charts, it is a song about knowing that you are attracted to the wrong thing, either a man or a bull that will give you a concussion. Classic bop,
1: Amy. I mean, that is a classic bop. Uh, You got to love Nelly. You
0: got to love Nelly. I love Nelly.
1: You know, we were originally wrestling with what jackass to talk about because I think there's a lot of debate, which is the best jackass and... Originally, we were like, let's start and talk
0: about one. Right, because and- one theory is usually one is the landmark, one is the one that you go back to. At least this is the type of thinking that we're even trying to break out in this own show, that the first has to be the installment you take the most seriously.
1: And I think that what's been really interesting about the Jackass franchise as a whole is they keep on building and heightening and getting better. And because there's no narrative, it is this journey of... Of friendship, and I think that when you look at all four films, and I've watched all four in the last you know forty-eight hours, and it's been a complete joy. There are certain things that connect all these movies, and I wanted to kind of go on this journey with you and see if I'm missing anything. All right, so this is what I think all Jackass movies share. Okay.
0: Okay, I miss Yes. There's
1: always a bull. So far, in every Jackass movie, there is always a bull. And it's uh, always
0: Johnny Knoxville is the target of the bull. Johnny Knoxville seems like a classic bullfighter, but it, yes, more like a bull uh, loser, a classic the, bull yes. loser.
1: Johnny Knoxville is getting hit hard by bulls. Um, night vision goggles. Always a night vision goggle scene, you know. Uh, the newest installment has an amazing night vision goggle scene. Uh, <laughs> old men. Uh, Spike Jones and Johnny Knoxville. Originated these characters, these old men and, uh, in Spike Jones's case, old women characters, uh, that actually even spun off to their own movie in bad grandpa. Uh, but there is an old man in every one of these movies, mostly played by Johnny Knoxville. Uh, shitting in toilets, shitting in toilets is in every one of these movies. They could be big toilets. They could be mini toilets, but there is shit in toilets, uh, in every one of these movies. Um, There is always a lake, always something being shot (laughs) into a lake at great force. I don't know where that lake is, but people are flying into a lake in every one of these movies. Lance bangs one of the uh, camera operators, a great director in his own right, vomiting. You always will see Lance vomit in every one of these movies or gag, vomit or gag uh, because of the, the N95 masks. It was a little hard to tell if he completely vomited in the new movie, but it looked like he did. Um, and, you, and you
0: can never guess what will make him vomit. Sometimes no. it's like literally a gross, gross, gross thing is in the fourth movie. Sometimes it's a paper cut.
1: Yes. Uh, and sometimes it's just even a smell. Uh, then I would say there is, speaking of smells, farts farts are a big part of these four films uh different types of farts the way farts are received the way farts are tested but farts are big big in this uh film franchise i i would also say uh creatures uh whether it be snakes or scorpions bears there's always some sort of scary beast Uh, a lot of snakes But it's not exclusively snakes. It's not exclusively one animal besides buffalo, but there are these exotic creatures in every one of these films. And uh, I would say that another big element, and probably the element that started this whole thing out, was there's some sort of, and I don't even know if this term is used anymore, but extreme sports, right? Uh, Notably skateboarding, uh, but also in the majority of the films, you get uh, some great bike stunts as well. And as a matter of fact, Biking does play a part in 4, so it does connect there. Here's one that's kind of surprising, but I also think it's worthy of mentioning, um, miniatures or interesting set builds, right? Every one of these movies uh, has a really cool creative element, I think often attributed to Spike Jonze in the openings, but there is a really interesting play with perspective and a little bit of artistic license in creating sets and miniatures uh, and oftentimes those sets and miniatures come into play with the number one thing that unites all jackass movies and that is dicks dicks are in every one of these movies they are on full display these movies are not rated x because these dicks are never hard uh they are
0: is that what it is if they're not hard it's not an X.
1: that is uh pretty much the rule that I've heard from the jackass guys as long as they're not hard uh, they can be displayed
0: wow am I correct in saying that I think 4 has the most dicks out of all of them
1: yeah there's a lot of dicks in 4 there's a lot of dicks in 4
0: there's so many dicks in 4 and I had to review 4 for the New York Times you know the paper of note and I was like how do I talk about all of the dicks in this movie without saying words that you cannot say in the grey lady and I had to go with nether regions (laughs) I like
1: it There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. My experience with the Jackass movies are some of the best experiences of my movie-going life because I've never felt the way that the Jackass movies make me feel. I got to see the first film in a super-crowded theater On a Friday night, and it felt like we were all going on a roller coaster together. It was just like gripping on to each other, blocking our eyes, highs and lows. I was lucky enough that in the third film, I actually saw an early screening of it where they actually did a prank in the theater. And I got to react (laughs) to a prank in the theater. And that was equally mind blowing to just see it happen in front of me. It didn't make the movie. I believe it's in Jackass uh, 3.5. But these movies, to me, give me the most visceral, exciting reaction that I've ever had. I want to look away. I can't stop watching it. And at the end of it, I feel like it was just much too short.
0: I love that. I mean, to me this came about because I used to live with a skateboarding cinematographer, you know, he was a skateboarder. He came out of skateboarding. He learned to use a camera as a skateboarder, um, much like Spike Jones. And then because of that worship Spike Jones and the whole like skateboarding cinematography crew, I have this like theory in my head that I feel like there should be this great rising cult of skateboarding directors, because I feel like those are some of the most like exciting stylists around, you know, like, I feel like Kids who learn to shoot cameras because they like are into filming their friends doing crazy stunts are people who like I don't know I trust their camera will have action and movement. I'm surprised that I don't see more like blockbuster films directed by guys who came up out of skateboarding. But but I, at, but yeah, my friend crank. was like, really I mean, into crank, it. Yeah,
1: they were they were on skateboards for that Jason Statham action movie, which I love so much. Uh, just getting these amazing angles, and I think a yeah. lot of that skate culture translated to music videos right and then a lot of those music video directors went off to create these amazing really interesting films I mean that did you have that like DVD uh, collection was it called like the directors series and it was all these amazing music video directors all their work was put together it was like Chris Cunningham and Spike Jones and Mark Romanek uh, and it was truly the best videos I, I think ever made or they at least push forward what videos could be. I just remember watching those and all those people have gone off to make really interesting, you know, pieces of work. I'm not all from skateboard culture, but I feel they all had a a similar like down and dirty aesthetic, but also really specific and, you know, mind blowing in a way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like I mean Spike Jones, I would say was my first favorite director like him and Michelle Gondry, because I think of those two people as being music video directors from the very first time that MTV started to put director credits on their music videos. And Spike Wait, Jones, but they didn't the always guy. have that? No, not in the 80s. And so like when they started doing it in the early 90s um, and adding the director credit, I would always recognize the name Spike Jones. I mean, it's an unforgettable name and I would see it pop up over right. and over and over again. And I would think that is the first director that I've just known and loved besides Burt, well, You know. I-
1: yeah, it was to me. I remember the Sabotage video, right, which was he directed yeah. like great Beastie Boys videos. And you'd always look forward to what the next video was going to be. By the way, uh, you mentioned Michel Gondry. He also has one of those DVDs as well uh, in that collection. It's a great collection. If you've never seen that collection, it's worth uh, seeking out.
0: I love it. Is that the one where they also have like Spike Jones doing "The Sky Is the Limit"? That Notorious B.I.G. one, where he casts all the little kids yes, who look like yes. the Notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite low key videos. I don't think that one gets enough praise. Just it's like so good. Little, little, little Notorious B.I.G. Little puffy, just like in hot tubs. It's it's so cute. Just knocking off the hype, Williams style. Oh, it's wonderful. But back to this, but back to this. So what I'm saying is like, I feel like there is an argument to talk about, like skateboarding videos, skateboarding culture, skateboarding daredevilry, having this like great cinematic connection, like being, I would say like a breeding ground for some talent. And weirdly, having only, it's surprising me that I can only really think of like Spike Jones as being like the number one director coming out of this, because I want to imagine there would be more.
1: You know, I think there's this mix here that kind of feels where our culture has gone, which is... These were short little interstitials. You know, this was a perfect thing for YouTube. This is a perfect thing to be passed around. You know, the way that we use Instagram or TikTok now, like they were at the forefront of doing very interesting things that were really attention getting that you wanted to show your friends. They weren't pranks per se. Like it wasn't like the grape lady, you know, falling over like that kind of a thing. It was like, oh, my gosh, you have to see this just really Interesting artistic thing. And I think you walk around in any sort of city and you're seeing kids out there with video cameras and skateboards still to this day.
0: That's true. I wonder if there's an argument that like if Jackass had started when YouTube already existed, they never would have gone into movies because they would have gotten enough of like a reward system for just doing YouTube videos. Yeah. But not having YouTube make them like aspire more.
1: Well, you know, I found something really interesting. Like the whole reason why Jackass the show stopped was because of Joe Lieberman. You know, Joe Lieberman made a very pointed speech about the dangers of TV. And I guess there was a constituent in Connecticut who was injured, maybe an acting jackass prank. And because of that speech, they started cracking down on TV. And that's why MTV started cracking down on the Jackass guys, and they couldn't do anything dangerous. they couldn't they couldn't push any limits, so they stopped, but they were still contractually uh, obligated to do this movie. And the idea of doing a movie, those limitations were off. So in a weird way, Jackass could have folded in this moment where culture was chasing them and saying, this is not good for our kids to see. This is too dangerous for our kids. And we lived in that time, I think, a lot, that, you know, kids shouldn't see what is out there because they'll just imitate it. When I was in high school, there was this energy of, like, the kids need to be protected. They can't see certain things. There's a movie called The Program, like a football movie. And there's a scene in that movie where uh, the football players like lie down in the white lines in a street like as a like a dare or chicken thing. Be like I can handle it. I can do it. And the cars are whizzing by them. And I grew up in a town nearby where a kid actually copycatted that and was killed because you shouldn't be lying down in the middle of the street in the middle of the road. But all of a sudden it was like, well, we need to uh, ban a movie like this. And I think that that scene has even been, you know, taken out of the program on Disney Plus. So there is this idea like the kids can't see anything dangerous because they're just going to do it. And there was always these big warnings and Jackass had that warning and then other shows did that warning. And so there was this moment where I think Jackass could have completely folded, uh, but it exploded with this film. I mean, this film, I don't think anyone expected to be what it was.
0: No, no. And it's interesting because it's a film that, you know, opens with The sense of greatness, like we are going to be an epic film. Like you have not seen anything like this. I mean, slow motion, white smoke, white smoke, I think also being a consistent trope in all of the jackass films, along with white underwear. Side question, do men really wear white underwear? Is that a thing? Is it just all the jackass guys wear white underwear because it looks funnier when it's like bleeding? I I think you
1: want to see the blood and the poop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like normal people don't wear white underwear. I was just very curious about that for men.
1: I, I mean, look, times have changed. I'm not really... Rock and tidy whiteys anymore, but back in the day, sure. I mean, some of the stuff looks like downright like diapers. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think it's it's really to see. I think it is visually more interesting to see white, like as you're doing a bungee <laughs> jump from a tree, you know.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, it starts with like that O Fortuna opening, like we are serious grand art as they're like running in shopping carts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, punching each other in the head. struck me as I went back and watched like one after I saw four and seeing all of the guys just straight up punching themselves, punching each other in the head, especially like Bam looking so happy to be punching people in the head. I thought to myself, you know, in four films, I feel like they have softened a little bit, a little bit, ma- a little bit matured. You know, they're not so much like I will deliberately inflict pain on you with my fist. They're like, I will find complicated ways of inflicting pain with you that aren't directly me hitting you with a fist. And I think there's something in this shift that Jackass has done over the past four films where it's gone from transgression, like we're just some sort of scruffy guys doing things you shouldn't do, like in a place that you can go to, like we're going into a convenience store, we're going into a shoe store, we're knocking over stuff, we're being like rowdy, Kind of stuff that I think most people could duplicate with the handicam. They move away from that over the course of the films into like, we've constructed a giant hand. We've carved a horse out of ice, you know, doing more and more things that the audience can't follow them into doing. And so the thrill I think shifts from watching transgression to watching just outright bravery. Like this is a dumb thing you have worked hard to even try to do that, you know, will hurt you in the first place. Yeah. Did you, do you see that arc?
1: No, I definitely agree that there is a trajectory there. The first movie looks... Incredibly cheap, you know, with the exception of a couple of pieces where they seemingly spend a lot of money. Like it's very down and dirty. It feels like the videos that started the entire thing, which you mentioned early on, was from a skateboard magazine. Like Johnny Knoxville came out here and he was like, "Let me try to do something crazy. Uh, I'll wear a bulletproof vest and I'll have somebody shoot a gun at me." No one wanted to let him do that, but uh, you know, Jeff Tremaine was like, "Yeah, let's do it," and that's you know that video went viral. That became like a very big thing, but it seemed like something you would do in your backyard. And I think throughout all the films, they do a great job of kind of paying homage to where they started. Uh, You know, you see these flashbacks Uh, in the last film, they redo this prank called the cup test, which was something that they started off in the series where it's like how much, pain can a cup protect you from, you know, and in the original TV show, it was like kids just giving you like a nut punch. And now in this uh, new movie, it's like a hockey player shooting a hockey puck right at your crotch. Uh, So I think there's always this like base of, of heightening, right? Like they're always trying to heighten it and make it a little bit bigger. Um, But I would also argue the core of the film always is this idea of people hanging out. And that friendship is something to me that in watching the four films back to back, I never quite appreciated as much as I did in this watch because I was like, wow, it's yes, all the pranks are there, but you really are just watching Friends daring each other to do dumb shit. And in the first movie, what I really noticed was it was a lot of shoots at night. It was a lot of shoots in people's houses. It felt like they had been maybe drinking for a little bit and it's like 10 o'clock at night. And they're like, all right, let's let's start taping something. Let's try this now. Like, let's try the muscle stimulator now. Like, there's an idea of it not being fully orchestrated. It's like, yeah, we're making the movie, but we're going to grab it here and grab it here. Like, let's send Johnny out with those rocket skates. And it looks like it's in the middle of the night. You can barely see anything. There's nothing lit. And you just kind of see him just eating shit on those, you know, rocket skates. And there's something so homemade and fun that you almost feel like you're watching your friends videos and you're watching with a group of friends. And I think one of the biggest things about these movies And the reason why I reacted the same way when I saw it in the theater is you become that audience. Like every one of the jackass pranks has an audience around them. They are in a proscenium, right? Uh, And the down and dirtiness of it makes you feel like you're a part of it. So I think you're right. They continually just close that circle as the movies go on and on and on. And it becomes more and more about this core and about the dynamics within that core, not as much as like going to Japan or going to harass people in, you know, a convenience store.
0: Yeah, well, then let's zoom in on that print that you were just talking about, the one with, with the kind of electro shock tabs that's from Jack S. One. What struck me in watching that was hearing Johnny Knoxville talk to Aaron. Aaron is the one who's got like the, the electrodes on his nipples in this scene. And what you hear is Johnny comforting him um saying like daddy's gotcha here listen to this
1: think about your, your- ah! Ah!
0: okay okay i got i got i'm taking care of you it's oh all right God, it's okay so it's cool bad. you cool you okay cool? okay ah! come, on. Ah! Come,
1: on. come on daddy's got you daddy's got oh you Yeah, you're so buff right
0: now. And then, like, they're complimenting. They're, like, egging him on. They're trying to take the pain away through compliments. You're so swole right now, bro. And to me, in Jackass 1, that's, like, the most of a taste you get of, like, this kind of, like, dynamic between the dudes is in this one particular scene is, like, we've got you. You look swole. You're doing great. But they take that element of the movie and they really build it out. So I feel like over the rest of the films increasingly in two, very much in three, very, very much in four, I almost feel like there's more of it in four than there are of actual stunts. You have the guys like egging each other on, talking to each other into doing it, making somebody feel better. Like I've noticed that, especially in the ones in four where you have like a person who's not in jackass show up and... Horrible things happen to him with a spider. And now everybody around is like, you did it, man. You won. And like the audience knows he kind of didn't win, but they're trying so much to make him feel better. And the psychology of it, because I guess the fundamental thing in a Jackass movie is why are they doing this? And what they're showing you is why they're doing it. They're doing it for each other. They're doing it to be in this moment. And it can seem sadistic. Like in Jackass 3, there's the Lamborghini tooth pull, you know? Yeah. Oh, Oh, and in the Lamborghini Toothpole, like, it's a really dumb idea. It's Aaron. I feel like Aaron has kind of over-marathoning these four films in a row. Aaron has ascended as one of my favorite jackass people because he does willingly take the most physical punishment of, by far, I was everybody. talking to
1: Knoxville and Pontius about this recently, and I was like, I think he gets the worst out of every yeah. one of you. And Knoxville said it's because he reacts so damn funny. And it's true. It's like his reactions are not stoic. They are, they're cartoon-like. I mean, that's, and that's really what you're watching too, is like they're creating like real life cartoons.
0: They are. And like in the Lamborghini Toothpull, it almost made me misty a little bit to hear Pontius trying to make him feel better. Are you stoked? uh bikini. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah! I mean, it's also like absurd. You're like, Are you stoked that you're getting your tooth pulled out because it's getting pulled out by a Lamborghini? Isn't that cool? But the psychology of what's happening in there, I find really fascinating because, you know, as I was watching one, there was a moment where I thought, oh, I really don't like one. And the reason I didn't like it is because there was a scene where suddenly they take away the audience and they take away like the jackass bros. Nobody's there. And you watch what happens when a st- when a stunt happens and no one is there to applaud to make you feel better, to make you feel like you survived. They're not even there to laugh. It's the scene where Johnny goes and he like willingly gets shot by a beanbag that they use, you know, for like crowd deterrent stuff, the kind of quote unquote non-lethal weapons that cops use. And here you just, he we'll play the clip right now. He's like facing down this beanbag. He gets shot. It hurts really bad. And it never feels good because those, the guys are missing. Oh, do you did see not, the way not, I cut that, that.
1: bean bag with my stomach? That's instinct. You can't teach that. Oh. And I think that's where Jackass Two steps it up, and they go, "Oh, we realize that now. Let's put them all together," and they do that. Same stunt, but with the multiple projectiles where it's what they use in front of embassies and they they hit, you know, Ryan and bam with them. So the three of them go down together. And and to your point, they're all, you know, Johnny's talking them into it. They're like, I don't fucking want to do this. And then when you see their like scars, because after that beanbag hit that you just played from one, you see like Johnny's like, oh, I can't get up. I can't sit down. And it seems really painful, but he's alone in it. And there's something really fun about putting them all there. They all faced it together.
0: We're here with Daniel Alvarez from ALS Technologies. And uh, why don't you explain what this is and what we're going to be doing? Well, this is the uh, 460 uh, Stingmore Mine.
1: It has approximately 745 caliber rubber balls in it. they will fly out of there at about 500 feet per second.
0: They use these uh, charges on the outside of uh, embassies. Uh,
1: to uh, protect the gates from uh, people trying to break in. It looks like it's going to suck. It, it is, is that I promise. Is. Fire in the hole! Oh, oh yes. yeah! Fuck that! Oh, fucking Christ! Yeah. That is great. I'm about to like have an anxiety attack.
0: I just can't do this one. It is. It's just too gnarly. Nice. Dude, Knoxville is. In, is in, right? If he if if Knoxville goes in there, dude. God
1: done i french Kirsten. are you insane no all you gotta do is stand there yeah get killed look at that thing that thing it's just right. loud
0: it's loud it's, it's gonna hurt really bad but it's just loud you're nuts no 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 no, no, no. come on it's you're footage nuts actually i want to add another list to your thing of jackass musts which is a jackass film has a moment where these guys face down Police and military equipment that we pay for to be used on our own people here in America. And they and they show us how badly these, like, quote unquote, non-lethal weapons are. I, I, marathoning all of these in a row, I thought, like, there's almost something political in this. Like, the worst moments in every single jackass movie tend to be where they use stuff that we're heard is totally fine to you to be used on people. And isn't that weird? Like in the first one, we have these beanbag guns. And the second one, you have the, um, you know, this giant machine gun fire, the, the, the embassy machine gun bullets. And then the third one, they have like the stun gun challenge where they're like running through a thing of stun guns, which cops use on people oh, all the time. See, we're told I would... it's totally fine. And then like it, you come out of it and bam is like, that is the worst one. Feel? I changed my mind. Stun guns are the number one most thing that I hate now. Bulls are second, snakes
1: are third. That sucked terribly. See, I would disagree with you about the stun guns. I don't see the stun gun as being that. I think the third one, the heightening, is the football tackles. What we watch normally is like, oh, my gosh, we love football. But then when you see Johnny get taken down, he's in pads – and get knocked on the ground twice, like that hit, like that football hit. And then we talked about like, you know, our culture about like how CTE and the way that we treat our professional athletes. That to me is really, if you're talking along that like sociological point of view, that to me is the ultimate heightening. This thing that we never even think about as being aggressively violent you know and it's and it's it's something that we've agreed to like those hits when you see like johnny get up from that ground and he is caked in or preston Lacey take a football to the face you know and again they're stunts but you're right like it is about what would it feel like and even in this last movie they they challenge someone to take a punch from the person who has the hardest punch in you know mma uh just those things like, yes, I'm interested in how your body would react to it. But it is also showing you like the amount of damage that can happen to to normal people. Right. And I think that's part of the why we lean in because we see ourselves there. Could we do it? Would we want to do it? But I also right. want to talk. And about, that's what's I, yeah. so
0: fascinating is like this range that then they have, you know, from you know, the stuff that actually we pay or cheer for. Seeing it happen, you know, football to like police attacks um, that we're like supporting, I guess, tacitly to stuff that like we actually know happens to us, like paper cuts. I mean, the fact that like paper cuts are one of the worst things that I've ever seen in a jackass movie, the paper cuts to the tongue when that's like a physical thing we all know. It makes me think about how my least favorite thing in a horror film is stuff happening to tooth and nails, stuff that I understand, whereas like a stabbing, I'm like, whatever, I don't know what a stabbing is. I can't identify with that. So it, there's that range starting there and then building up to you have shrimp in your pants and you're getting eaten by a whale. I have no context for that, but it's like astounding to watch. It's really like they have concocted a PhD in the range of pain or like they've built a full orchestra of the different ways that pain can exist in the human body where it's like, oh, I understand these pianos. I do not understand this xylophone, but I'm going to watch it go. Wait, I just said that out loud and then I just remembered that there actually is a a clip in three where it literally says that music is pain. Remember this, the super glue symphony where like, uh, where Bam super glues his hands to Preston's chest into his dad, Phil's chest. And then he's like, I can make music with this. (laughs) Get a little symphony going. Yeah. I'm
1: going to continue this music analogy a little bit because like a, a great orchestra, There isn't just one instrument playing. And what I mean is these movies are truly created in a way that keeps you on your toes, right? It's just not prank, 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 prank. It is a real like mixture of different levels of things like, you know, just when you feel like you've gotten enough of a stunt, they do something that's just dumb and funny. They do a bunch of these really great small interstitials that are maybe like five or ten seconds. Like they are constantly cleansing the palate. So getting I think,
0: stuck to the side of a of a semi-truck. It yeah, are done. Getting, five seconds,
1: yeah. but a boom. Getting your hair shaved off or getting punched in the face with like a Rocky glove. You know, Steve O has so many of those in the first film. And What I think this movie does so well, and I think probably what people aren't looking at is the construction of them, right? Because they never overstay their welcome. They're carefully considered and they have a flow and energy that makes them feel like watching these three movies back to back like I did was so much fun because it didn't get boring like they really are able to find not only heightenings, but they get you, like, once you feel one way, if you get sick to your stomach by watching someone, you know, drink sweat, then you're on to watching Johnny get, like, launched, you know, from a giant rocket into a lagoon. Like, there's a constant mix. And I do think that people probably don't look at that, like, the editing and the directing of this, because unlike a lot of other prank shows or prank movies, I think Eric Andre's probably... uh the closest to the jackass guys in the way that he does his stuff, it doesn't overstay its welcome. You don't have that much setup. You get right into it and you get out of it. And if you get into something like the muscle uh charger that we talked about, like it heightens, it keeps on heightening. It doesn't, it doesn't just do the same thing over and over again, even with the hand in the beginning of two, when they hit everybody in the face, like they continue to find ways to, make it interesting and let you in on the joke. Like so much so that when you see a bit two or three times, now you feel like you are watching it differently. The first time you're watching it as an audience member. And then the next time you're watching it, you're watching it as a co-conspirator.
0: That's true. Like sometimes they let you in on what the stunt is going to be right away. And you know that it's like big and dangerous. The one that's in my mind right now is the one from four where they keep going down a water slide into what they know is a dirt pile. They just like, there's not even yeah. pads. They know it's a dirt pile. They know it's going to hurt. They're just going to keep going down in ridiculous combinations. Like that is a stunt that is all about like the, just we are looking at pain. We are facing it down and we're just going to do it. Just, just absolutely do it. And then there are other ones where like, you don't know what's going to happen, but they do. You like watch them put on some sort of ridiculous outfit and then they're like, ta-da, now I'm jumping in this ram's cage. And then the story keeps changing on you. And so it's like, there's kind of the psych out or like the, I'm thinking of like the closing in three where it's like the guys in a room, there's a pinata, the pinata explodes. It doesn't explode very much. And then all of a sudden the entire room starts to explode and everything builds. And just when you think it can't build anymore, then a giant gush of water comes and they're all like washed out of the room. And you're just astonished because you literally have no idea what to expect. And that happens in ways big and small, like like a beehive a beehive limo from Jackass 2, where the guys think they're going to like a photo shoot. Their limo gets pulled over. They put a beehive through the sunroof of their limo. And so that's like level prank one and two. And then what happens is as they climb out of the limo, then there's marbles all over the floor until so they're like falling down. And then it's like prank level three. And then I guess like the capper is that Dave pees his pants because he's so terrified of bees. But it's like you just never know where the end point of a stunt will go. It
1: doesn't overstate its welcome. And to talk about the other elements of it where you are a part of a prank in a different way. I would go to that sequence with Bam, you know, in uh, in number three, We set up that, you know, we know that Bam is afraid of snakes, right? And that is something that has been a runner. And they are always trying to get snakes around him. And they build this trap for him where he's literally going to fall through the floor into a pit of snakes. And and you watch him set up his prank because he's going to, Prank the director Jeff Tremaine, and you're watching it from his point of view, but you also know that he's walking into a prank, and then you watch him fall into it. Now that prank, and every time he gets pranked by snakes, it's legitimately terrifying for him. It is not fun. Like he is, you know, he cries. There's multiple times in these movies where like, are you crying? and and Bam's like, yeah, I'm crying. I am freaked out. Like, and there's a vulnerability there. That all is left in. Like, I think the pain is left in, obviously, but the care is left in. Even in the last movie, when they hit Steve in the face with that dodgeball, like, there's an immediate hug, or with the the high five hand, there's, like, an embrace. It's like, you did it. It's these... It's done with love, and I think that that, like... That friendship, those highs and lows, even when you, over, when you push somebody too far, like they pushed Bam too far in that pit of snakes. And you could see, you know, Ryan is like, I got to get him out. We got to get him out. It's, it's too much. Like he saw his friend being hurt, you know, and I think that, those little elements, it's small, but it connects you so much more. It's just not like they're laughing at each other, but they're also caring for each other. Going back to your original point. You know, about like you your pecs look great. You're so there, buddy. Like they are they want each person to succeed. They don't want to hurt anyone. They just want to see how much they can fuck with them, but it's all with love, not with like uh not with a a, a thought of like really wanting to hurt them.
0: I mean, I feel like I will say the one jackass member that feels a little bit more into pain is Bam. Mm-hmm. Like Bam seems to be the one who most delights in people getting hurt. Like he is the one that I think of as like the captain of just like I'm going to punch you in the head squad. Right. I mean part of me thinks that like Bam comes in in the first movie just a little more underdeveloped than the rest of the guys emotionally cuz like all of his pranks are just about like getting even with his parents. You know, like he's just but those really are some into- of my
1: favorite pranks. I mean, him with his parents, like the fireworks in the bedroom are is funny, but then the heightening of the fireworks in the van, like I was cackling out loud. I mean, it's like it's I don't know. There's something about like pranking your parents. Like he's not trying to hurt them, but it's just like the torturing of his parents. Like that really makes me laugh. I don't know. I mean, I I love those Bam pranks. And I know people don't like Or think that Bam is the meanest, but I also feel like he also seemingly has some of the best ideas.
0: I mean, I don't love the Bam pranks. Like, I feel so sad for his dad when he's like, I gotta go to work. I'm Bam Margera, and my parents are dead asleep. It's 12.42 right now, and Phil has to be at work at 5 in the morning. So he's trying to get a good night's sleep, and I'm going to go wake his ass up.
1: But then his dad plays along with Preston when they switch bodies and then Preston gets into bed with his wife, you know, Bam's mom, and then that moment is so fulfilling like his dad is in like that's the other part of it what I was saying is like yes he's pranking his parents but he's also having fun with them like and they are part of it as well and like when his mom you know but doesn't
0: wait but but in that one doesn't Preston seem sort of horrified at the end he's like I think I assaulted her I feel like I assaulted her like Preston seems so rattled by it and then like there's something to be very creepy in the way that Bam gets like Oedipal about it. He's like, "Mom, have you been with other guys? Like, Mom, what's your sexual history? Like, it. There, I don't understand Bam's ethos in these because it feels a little bit thirteen-year-old and not like twenty. Year but old. I
1: think, but I think that that's okay. Like, I think that that's every one of these guys is very different, right? And they all have different kinds of personalities. And I think that well, that's who's what your makes favorite? them. Gosh, I mean, well, if we're talking about, you know, overall. I think I enjoy Danger Aaron because mm. his reactions are so big. But I also have a very strong uh, in the fourth movie connection to Poopies. Poopies uh, made me laugh harder than anyone. Um, I think that we're prone Jasper to just comes be like in
0: really hard too in number in the fourth one. I love yes, Jasper. And, Jas- and, and he's
1: amazing. And and Jasper's dad, yeah, uh, Dark Shark. But Dark Shark yeah. is fantastic. I'm Katie Rich. I'm one of the hosts of Vanity Fair's Little Gold Men podcast. Every week, we cover the ups and downs of the Oscar race, from Barbenheimer to the Golden Globes controversy, and much more. We also have weekly interviews with some of the year's biggest contenders, like Emma Stone, Paul Giamatti, and America Ferreira. Whether you're a Hollywood insider or just want to win your office's Oscar pool, Listen to Little Gold Men, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. I got a greater appreciation for Bam in rewatching the films. And maybe that's because Bam's not in the fourth film. But I also, I think I really like, they each bring something very, very different. I mean, Chris Pontius... Does a lot of penis stuff. He's very funny. He's the one that's in the costumes. You know, Steve-O, I think we're seeing Steve-O in a lot of different ways. Like Steve-O is like newly sober in three. So he feels a little bit different than what you've normally seen him in. And in two, they say that everyone was completely sober, but they look a little bit worse for wear in two. Like I was noticing like two felt like the success of one and the series you can really see it on them. And while the movie You
0: can actually see the drinking on them, weirdly. Like yes. a lot of them seem sort of puffier and less healthy. Because they're yeah. athletes. Like they, they're clearly athletes at one and they're clearly athletes again by four. But yeah, something there's something that seems something... like weary in two. And I think in four they
1: all, you know, everyone agreed to be clean and sober. I mean they're yeah. you know they're in on three,
0: the too. I think there's no yes. beer on the set in three because of Steve O being two years sober at that point.
1: And I think there is just this energy. In two. And I wanted to kind of talk about one and two. And and I don't know all the specifics, but two is a really interesting film because at first I was like, oh, I think two is my favorite. And now I'm like, oh, maybe it's three or four. I don't know. They all kind of blend together because all the different pranks get together. But there's something that two really ups the ante. And I think they do a lot of great stuff. But it also feels like two is the movie where they're kind of Figuring it out. I don't think it it drops off from one, but it feels like they have to go harder. Um, And it feels a little less fun than the other three, in my opinion. But... That being said, I have a ton of laughs in 2. Like, 2 is, you know, 2 is Spike Jones showing up naked in Los Feliz as, like, an old lady. Uh, you have, you know, the, the card-throwing guy. You, you know, the bad grandpa really comes out there. The butt-chugging. But it's also, like, Bam crying. But there is something there where I feel like they know it's a sequel. They're trying to prove it. And I think the movie actually succeeds. But I don't the guys feel a little worse for wear in two.
0: Yeah. Two has the moment that, you know, my boyfriend, um, Adam EJ Mortimer points to is what he thinks of as like the purest jackass moment when he says jackass hits a moment where it be- it transcends and becomes like the movie that Ingmar Bergman always wished he could have made. you know, <laughs> And that's the moment when, you know, they're milking a horse and mm. then, Chris Pontius volunteers to drink the semen out of nowhere just to drink it so that he can have an out to do a stunt in the future. And at the end, he feels so low and he just keeps repeating, you know, I'm so ashamed of myself. Yeah.
1: and yeah. <laughs> I really almost puked in. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I really am. I'm completely ashamed of myself.
0: To my boyfriend, like that moment, I'm so ashamed of himself. is like, that is what Ingmar Bergman was trying to build to in his entire career. And you just have it happen genuinely, with the most pure emotion that you buy. I feel so sincere. Like Pontius, I love all the guys for different reasons. Like Pontius to me has the most soulful eyes. You know, you look at his face and I just feel like you, 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 he seems to recognize like the, the, the human comedy of it all that they're doing, the human comedy and the tragedy yes. of what they're well, doing. He,
1: he basically, I mean, he is the one that you know, is the most costumed for the most part or it seems to be the most costumed and is always, I think, a comic relief in not getting injured, but, like, being more playful. Like, there's a lightness to him out of all the guys.
0: I agree. And I think Stevo and Johnny are tied for the most naturally charismatic. Mm. I think Steve-O is the greatest athlete. Like, the, when I think of Steve-O, I think of the scene when he's... um tightroping above the alligator, that's a number two, I think. And yes. like, not only is he okay at tightroping for his very first time tightroping, he's like willing to do it. He's willing to stuff chicken in his pants. And when an alligator lunges for him, he not only like leaps back up on the tightrope quite easily in a way that I find like physically astonishing, yeah. he puts the chicken back in. And this <laughs> yes. is the moment that I find powerful in the jackass movies. If you're talking about them as like some sort of inspirational film about conquering your fears, he puts the chicken back in. He has every excuse if he wants to, to be like, I did it. But he puts the chicken back in and he continues forth. Isn't that beautiful?
1: Just to talk about two a little bit more, I think that that energy is so prevalent in two, and it's not about having fun as much as it is about we're going to we're going to go harder. Like, don't don't think we're going to fucking wimp out in this one. We're not going to wimp out. Like and that right. energy just because our last
0: movie made like sixty four million dollars. Yes. We're not going to wimp out.
1: We're still going hard. And it's like and that's why you see Steve put the hook through his cheek, <sighs> you know, and it's like and go, you know, and, and look, there's a lot of Wild Boys crossover yeah. at that point, too. But there is to me this element of fuck you like yeah. that. I don't necessarily get. And there's the other three have a lot that more shark, fun.
0: Yeah. That shark moment has the moment where Pontius is like, isn't this supposed to be a comedy?
1: Yes. Ooh, look at that thing right behind him. Woo. Dude, isn't this movie supposed to be a comedy?
0: No, me. That, me. <laughs> no. Okay. You're right. Okay. So like one then is like, hey, we made a movie. Let's do all this stuff we didn't think we could do on TV. Then two is like, we're not soft. We're going to go even harder. And three, I think, is where the franchise finds art. To me, fran- three is cinematically beautiful it's like they have the best cameras they get so colorful and I think the more colorful they get in their backdrops the more jackass begins to feel like like a cartoon you know you it it feels more like Hanna-Barbera it feels more like Wile E. Coyote Elmer Fudd when they're shooting ducks and you can see like like the crisp feathers falling yeah they're aspiring for beauty and I feel like that raises this film to well jackass
1: you know Three is Jackass 3D, and I think it's in a time where everyone's making 3D movies, and you and I are both in agreement that Step Up 3D is the best 3D movie of all time. I mean, there's no argument there. Uh, I mean, maybe
0: there's an argument that Jackass 3D ties.
1: I know I argued with you on this yesterday, but now
0: I'm like, actually, I think Jackass 3D might tie.
1: Overall, Jackass 3D is a better 90-minute 3D movie, where Step Up 3D has maybe better individual sequences like you know like I don't need to watch all of Jack I, I don't need to watch all of step Up 3d I'll just watch those like four or five giant dance numbers and be like very fulfilled but you're right like I think there's a reason they mature a little bit and they start to have fun again and the fun of the 3d it also is a little bit of distance I think people are coming in differently and there's an energy in three that makes it a real contender for the best one in all of the films. I think it's in many ways the best of everyone. I think the the success or the that moment of like juggernaut stardom has faded a little bit and they can kind of be a little bit more comfortable again. And like you said, challenge themselves in a creative way. Like every, every film elevates. And I think at the end of two, that... Prank that they do with Jay Chan is the beginning of, oh, we can do maybe interesting stuff. And I think the bad grandpa stuff is elements of that as well. It's like, oh, we can maybe, like, tell some more story here or do some thing. Like, they could be a little bit more creative than just, like, prank, prank, prank. And even though they were doing, like, the old man in, in the first one, everything starts to just elevate a little bit. It becomes a little bit less shocking and more... uh Pointed. I don't know. It still retains everything that's jackass about it. But I I think that there's like this want to play with the form. And I think that that's what they kind of really do in 3. Even if it's like the guys being dressed as, you know, in togas talking about, you know, the king of spring break, you know, and Johnny just jumps on the jet ski, which I think broke his dick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's this, like this element of how do we make it better. I don't know. Jackass three definitely is the best looking and maybe the best one.
0: There's kind of a fun childishness to three that I really like. Like I think of one as kind of the snotty teenage movie Mm -hmm. where, you know, they're like, it's like an eighties movie come to life. They're like, we're going to play air horns at the golfers. Ha ha. Like we're going to get it in over the squares. But three is more like innocent, playful when I mean, they're literally doing playful games. They're literally doing like pin the tail on the donkey, with a real donkey you know they're literally doing right. duck hunt another like childhood game like with the guys as ducks you know they're but then the, yeah even, and even a playing... jet engine feels like kind of a playful cartoon idea and so it feels almost fresher in that they're like going to these touchstones almost of, like classic comedy i mean like they have the jet engine going and then they start pelting somebody with tomatoes they're doing like borscht belt humor and it doesn't feel so much like we hate you squares it feels like Comedy. Like, let's let us go right. into the like, roots
1: of comedy. The, I think you're right. Like, the idea that it's making the premises are funnier, right? Yeah. Even, even the idea, like, when Steve-O does the poo bungee, like, you know, it's <sighs> like comedic. I mean, yes, that is gross. But comedically, there's something, like, insane. Like, there there is, like, at least, it's just not, like, hurting yourself for no reason. It's like there's an idea behind it. Like, the idea that, like, Steve-O isn't afraid of shit, but is afraid of bungeeing and they mix it together. And like, and so like, that's the prank or the exploding <laughs> toilets of making everybody blue. Like there are just the jet engine scene that I think about all the time is the, uh, like I think it's like Preston and bam are at a table pretending to be on a date and they call over the waiter and the waiter tries to deliver yeah. you know the, the champagne <laughs> and it gets blown out of the, you know, it's I like, there's, that. yeah, there's like those, those things, the big and little moment, like when Preston Lacey comes into the store, and he's like, hey, man, can you hold my dog? And he walks into the store and then, you know, a much smaller version of him exits dressed exactly the same. And then you watch the guy kind of be like, wait, what just happened? Like, you know, it 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 is, you know, someone the size of that kind of wee man comes out and takes the dog. And it's like the pranks are not as aggressive, like the bad grandpa prank in two where he where basically Johnny almost gets into a fight with that guy at the like the hot dog stand. Yeah. And it gets like really aggressive. The bad grandpa stuff here was more akin to like the film where he's like making out with his granddaughter and then having a guy take a picture of it and then really getting into a conversation about like, hey man, you shouldn't do that, or driving the motorcycle out of the window. Like there's they're more about capturing people's reactions, which I think was always there. Like in the number one when they did the criminals falling through the roof, one of my favorite bits of all time. It's like they're leaning more into the comedy of it.
0: Wait, why do, like... Why do, you like, the criminals falling out of the ceiling bit? I felt like that one really flops. Like, nobody reacts oh. and they just kind of walk out.
1: Oh, I love that bit. I just thought it was so... I mean, that guy who runs out before they even land. I don't know. I thought that bit... like That bit always really cracks me up. Just the idea that, like, these diamond <laughs> thieves are like they fall, like... They just fall through the ceiling. Like, they're not... I just I think I always love watching people's reactions to, like, they're not being pranked per se. Like, it's not happening to them. It's like, oh, what happened if you're working and then all of a sudden someone fell through your ceiling? Like, what would you do? I, I don't know why it tickles me, but I, I, but I think that that's, like, the genesis of where their pranks start to go. And more in that direction of, like, doing these, like, performance art pieces that people are reacting to. Right. Instead L- of, like, being done to them.
0: Which is like the Eric Andre of it all, you know, like the Eric Andre in bed trip where it's all about like, will people help me at my lowest point when I'm humiliated and like wearing my underwear and I need to get this girl to like go on a date with me? Like, will you help me out, man? Like, I find that really touching, like as maybe that makes me soft, but I feel like I like the comedy of seeing people try to raise to a ridiculous occasion instead of just being like, fuck you, I'm going to throw a golf club at you, you suck. (laughs) I think there's something beautiful I mean and clearly like I would say like Eric Andre got it from Jackass more than like Jackass got it from Andre because they're doing it like way before him but I like this synergy of like is it weird to say that a Jackass comedy can at points remind you that the world is an okay place I,
1: I think so and this is my argument about the Jackass franchise this is a movie that works for everyone like I truly believe it like there are bits that my wife will never want to watch. She's never going to want to watch shit pranks. She's never going no, to never. want to watch, you know, dicks getting all mashed up. But
0: I don't mind the dick stuff, there the also this el-
1: Oh, the puking is rough. I think, but there's this element of like, it's the reason why America's Funniest Home Videos has been on the air for decades. Why we just want to watch people get hit in the balls with a fucking baseball bat. Like, you know, we want it's a visceral reaction and i think what they've done and there's been many imitators is create this roller coaster of visceral emotions and like i said it earlier but it's like it can go from funny to gross to oh my god to i've never seen that before is this going to happen they're going to die like you can really have every giant emotion based in watching these characters and i think that's why it's interesting to see everyone react to each other. It's interesting to see people cry. It's you see these moments of the full landscape of humanity, and 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 I love you know. Impractical Jokers, they have their obviously a giant core, but I think Impractical Jokers is a version of what Jackass does. But but Jackass is a little bit more well rounded. It, it it truly is. You could you could watch it with you could have no understanding of the English language. And you could play this for theaters all around the world, and I believe you get the same exact reaction.
0: Is there one you can't watch? Because I will say there's one that I cannot watch. Oh, can there's no, multiple I, ones like, I can't watch. Which is one you like I cannot watch the one where Aaron pees on a snow cone and eats it. I will oh, not watch that, it. I will turn away disgusting. every single time. I cannot handle it.
1: Um, the sweatsuit one is pretty oh, yeah. disgusting to me. Like when they milk out the sweat and then he's drinking like sweat. I think in the last movie. Uh, they do something that was really hard for me to watch, which I won't spoil it. But um, oh, no, they create like a, a, a paddle ball, okay, yeah. like a paddle ball scenario with the human body. That I was like, oh, like there you are watch that? things that but was yeah,
0: fascinating. Whoa!
1: I mean, I was so like, I mean, maybe it's because. I'm an owner of a penis and, uh, and it's just like, and I, and I, and I feel it. But I, I mean, there...
0: I'm an owner. I have so many in jars that I've collected
1: over the years. <laughs> just like, uh, the, the lead villain in Action Jackson. Uh, but, I, <laughs> uh, but I guess, uh, that's Craig T. Nelson. But the, uh, I guess to me, the shit stuff is hard for me to watch. Mm. The shit, like, I don't like, like, like Aaron shitting, like, as like a little mountain, like, erupting. Like, I don't know. That, like, it's, it, I, I watch everything with my with my hand over my eyes. Like, I kind of want to watch it and I kind of don't want to watch it. But to make me gag, the, the piece no-cone really makes me gag. When I watch them gag, it makes me gag.
0: I agree. And what about moments of beauty? Because I think most of my moments of beauty come from three, probably. I love the 3D dildo gun. Because I Amazing. also love that, like, one of the things that Step Up 3D and the Jackass 3D franchise has in common is, like, They both know that what audiences wanted from 3D was not like the realistic, beautiful proscenium 3D where you feel like you're soaking into the image and all of that stuff that we were told about, like why it was beautiful. We want to see like something come at the camera. You know, we want to just like, yeah, wow us, do the old, giddy, like schlocky 3D stuff. And so you have, to me, the 3D dildo gun is just beautiful. Like it's pointed at the camera. You think it's coming towards the camera. You see it come into focus you know in 3D but then it surprises you it takes that like left hook and it goes away and it goes like slow motion over the pyramids it goes slow motion over like a papier mache model of paris it like bursts through a glass of milk in slow motion again which is yeah. like astounding then you watch it hit somebody in the face like i have to say that's almost like experimental art you know it's just like raw cinema it is just like the power of a visual it is it is beautiful I, I don't know I if I even that, needed to be a penis, but it's just like beautiful.
1: Well, I think that that's, you know, I think Jeff Tremaine is a really interesting and great director in corralling these different ideas, and I think Spike Jones, you know, is very influential on making sure these certain things look and feel a certain way. Like the opening of the last movie, which I'm not going to spoil, but it's like it's kind of a a take on a monster movie is <laughs> oh, really so gross. It's so beautiful and well done (laughs) and, and artistically beautiful. But every one of these movies like takes what they've done and heightens it. And but yet there is always in these movies, the gloss doesn't overtake like they'll have these moments of pure gloss, like whether it even is the end number in two, like the end number in two. Where they're all doing like that big, it's almost like the end of Blazing Saddles, like a big song and dance number where they're like, you know, they're construction workers and cowboys and they're they're going through and they're badly singing this song and trying to dance and getting hurt. Like there's something there that you feel like, OK, they're trying something here, uh, you know, and it and it feels like that becomes the opening of three, which is like beautifully colored. And like that opening is so great.
0: Having watched all the AFI movies with you, you can see that Jackass knows its movies. I mean, those stairs that it's using in the in the end number of two, they kind of look like the stairs from Top Hat. You know, they had to like yep. dance up and down and go around the whole circle. They're doing nods to like Busby Berkeley. They're doing nods to something more closer to like Oklahoma. And then they close with, like, the Buster Keaton house fall. You know, all of this yeah. stuff that we have seen being used as touchstones, I appreciate that Jackass folds them in. Even the fact that, like, when they're sneaking around and giving people, like, surprise razor haircuts in Jackass 1, they're doing it to the psycho music.
1: I, yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know. There's something, and I don't know how to even bring this up, but what I really like about these movies is they're often bookended by of movie stunt they know what's going to happen. There's multiple camera angles. They're doing it probably multiple times. And there's something about the beauty of capturing what they do like on film, whether it is the shopping cart, whether it is the bulls like that. Those aren't like they're real, but they also are choreographed, right? Like they know that that bull is going to like run to the window so Johnny can say the opening line and then fly out the window like it's it the camera's set up it's not like they have multiple cameras so there is something about this total control and i think that's what i keep on coming back to and why i think this movie yeah. these movies are important it's like they have control they're not just figuring this shit out it's not like they're just happening to capture it it is well thought out it's well crafted you can tell how much they shoot and how much they use with all the 0.5s because every one of their movies even bad grandpa has a 0. 0.5 so it's like extra footage that wrecks the pacing right all these movies pretty much come in at an hour and 33 i think two is the longest which also feels like it answers that question we were saying that they're kind of fighting with certain things they're like we can do it all we can, do, we can do the movie stunt. We can do the very simple, like, handy cam. Not that anyone calls it a handy cam anymore, but like, they can, you can do everything. That ability to go back and forth just shows that this is in very competent hands. This is not happenstance.
0: Yeah, we don't see films with really good cameras, really crazy explosions happening. And yet have the expressions on the faces be completely natural, right? Because they aren't acting. They're actually running for their lives from bulls. And that is a that is kind of a sweet spot in cinema that I don't think exists outside of the Jackass franchise. And yet to hear that thoughtfulness, because even in the bull scene that you're talking about, you know, the song that's playing is like Ennio Morricone. You know, it's ecstasy of gold. Here, I'll play a little snippet so you recognize it. And I love how that song itself is like taken from, you know, the film, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which feels like even Tremaine saying like, yes, this is a jackass movie. It is good. It is bad. It is ugly. But it's a choice that feels like a comment, you know, like the music they pick all feels like a comment to play like, you know, The Ride of the Valkyries. It feels like a comment. It's like we're choosing classical numbers that are talking about what is happening in here. And so it, it never feels half-assed even though it kind of is also half-assed and improvisational.
1: And and I think that that is why people discount this franchise, but I think like when we talk about these classic silent artists, they are doing stunts, they are doing very choreographed pieces and yes there's danger to them, but they're also, you know, part of a larger story. I think what Jackass is able to do is say, we're going to do the thing perfectly that we would put in a movie. But we're not gonna, we're not gonna pretend that we're movie stars or that you wanna even see a narrative. We're gonna give you what you want, which is more and more stunts. And I think when I watched, you know, the general, the general is like stunt, 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 stunt. And it's like uh whether or not they are actively taking the mantle of silent film, I could care less about. I mean, Jeff seemed to kind of you know, humor us with that point of view when we were talking to him about that. But truly, they're making something to make themselves laugh. And I think the classic silent films were doing the same thing, right? They were just like, what could be exciting? What would be engaging? And they created something that when you were in the theater, you were like, oh my God, my mind is blown. And we're so used to seeing, you know, people hanging off of CGI spaceships and doing things that don't have any uh, true, like, Ah, or or takes your breath away, I think, for the most part. you know, I think we turn to documentaries to see, you know, people climbing like Free Solo or, you know, or even Tom Cruise, I think, does a lot of that stuff. Like, oh, my God, he actually did that. And so you 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 get locked into these Mission Impossible right. things. But we
0: almost see it as a reaction to the CG because the CG
1: is everywhere. Yes. And I think what they're doing, and I don't care, like I said, if it's intentional or not, they created a new type of film. And we talk about film on the show a lot. And I think... This film is just as valid and it may gross you out and you may look down on it. But what we just kind of described here was they know how to balance it artistically. They know how to balance it viscerally and they edit it together and it is smart and it's not and it elevates every single time. And that to me is a sign of a great director and a great bunch of collaborators and writers, they are all part of this. They've created a truly unique art form. There's nothing else like this. Yes, there are prank movies, but this is singular. No one has done this. Even Eric Andre's Bad Trip is not this.
0: And I will add one more thing, which is they make comedies that actually involve laughing. Because I'm going through in my head of the comedies I love. And in most of them, the funny moments aren't moments that the other characters in the film are actually laughing at. The laughter only comes from like the audience laughing at what we're seeing on screen, right? Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the comedies, the people aren't like, oh my God, that was so funny. I'm cackling at the joke that you just said. But in the Jackass movies, they're laughing too. And so like- You are I'm, a part really of rea- Yeah, but I'm really realizing how few comedies have other people laughing in them. And that this is the one where it's like, you're welcomed into the fold of laughter. Like my least favorite type of comedy, and this is also just because I had to just review like an Adam Sandler produced Happy Madison comedy with Kevin James, is the kind of, kind of comedy where like, I'm walking through a room, oh, this guy's a real idiot, huh? I'm just going to glower at the idiot, and then, like, we're supposed to laugh? Like, I don't find that funny at all. You know, comedy where it's just like, what a dummy that guy is, but I'm just going to glare because I'm, like, superior? I don't even understand why that that is a joke, but it seems like the common happy Madison type of joke where everybody's an idiot except the lead character and the lead character also kind of sucks. But this is like, we're all dumb and we're all laughing together. And there's like a democracy of laughter that we're invited into. And I'm, I'm grateful for that.
1: I think it's tricky to be like all comedy should have people laughing at it because I think that the best comedies don't. I'm not
0: saying that. I'm just saying how rare it is because what you're supposed to do is like not break. You're not supposed to laugh and so I guess to have other people laughing does feel like a change, and it's nice. Well, I think
1: this movie is a visceral experience. It is a communal experience. I'm so excited that Jackass Forever is in theaters. I think you should be watching this with friends. I had a great time watching it by myself, but I watched Jackass, you know, with other people, and it made the experience 10 times more Fun because you can talk about it afterwards. Like you lived through something. It's like going on a roller coaster. I believe Steve O said it. It's like going on a roller coaster is fun, but going on a roller coaster with all your friends is so much more fun. And that is truly how I feel about these movies. You are going on a ride. And I you can't say it's not funny. You can't say it's not engaging. You can't say it's not artistic. Um, they have done something that no one else has done. And if it was easy to do it, there would be a million copycats. And even in the, in the world where Steve-O has made his own videos and there's been wild boys and bam has made his own videos. It has not achieved the perfect chemistry of this cast. And I think, you know, one of the things that you mentioned early on in the beginning was that bit with Johnny Knoxville getting shot. It felt like, unlike the rest of the Jackass movies. And I think it's something that the Jackass movies wrestled with early on, which is like, who is the star? And they even comment on it in like two, like, well, Johnny's the star, Johnny's the star. And I think that that was something that was like kind of put out by MTV. He's the one who's gone on to have like a successful acting career. I think that as the franchise continues to grow, like he's the ringleader, but it definitely has opened up to a group. And so much so that in four, you know, I know they're making a big deal, like, oh, he's bringing in a whole other group of people, but it's still the same group. He's still doing stunts. He almost gets killed in Jackass 4. Uh, but I think it—it it is... The, the iris opens up more and more, and I think that that's the secret of these movies. It's about friendship. It's about hanging out with your friends. It's about being with a group of people, and whether that group of people is an audience or the people on screen, it makes it so much more worthwhile. And I think for them to even attempt to do another Jackass without two of the members in this last one. Obviously, uh, Ryan Dunn, who I think is kind of effortlessly cool and kind of underrated in the Jackass world because he is kind of so cool, um, you know, died because of a, uh, a drunk driving accident. I think it was really hard for them to kind of figure out how do they, were going to continue this and do it in a way that didn't neglect his participation. And I think with Bam not in the film, And this new one, uh, because of a lawsuit, because he couldn't stay sober, Uh, there was this moment of like, could they continue to do this? Are they too old? But the reason why I think it all works is because that secret sauce is still there, which is like, even though that not everyone is there, it's still this group of friends. You feel like they want to be there. They're not there for the money. They are there really for... The whatever this brings them, and then obviously Steve O even had an issue about wanting to get paid more. But at the end of the day, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm here. Let's do it." And there's a vibe there that I think comes through. It doesn't feel like, "Oh, we got to drag him back out again." Let's. And I think a lot of times when we see these reboots and shit like that, it's like all right, pull them out, pull them out. Let's get them back out. We know it's going to make money. And there's an energy here. It's not like that. The weariness
0: that like a Harrison Ford brings, like, fine, you're making me come back. I didn't want to come back, but I'll I'm be here. You I'll be in again. I'll be fucking right, Harrison. Yeah,
1: I'll be solo yeah, again. Yeah, like, and here. I think Yeah, and I think that there's a, a a pure joy. And the minute that goes away, the movies don't work. Yeah. And I think we see I a mean, tinge of it in two.
0: I'll just say it, though. I don't really miss Bam. Like, I always feel like Bam didn't fit in anyways. We, I mean it, like... This is going to sound like a small thing to point out, but when you look at everybody else in a Jackass movie, they're kind of just wearing like T-shirts and underwear and jeans and shorts and they're kind of dressed normal. And there's something about Bam, like the the scarves and the Russian hats. He always felt like he was putting on more of a performance. He didn't feel as authentic to me as the other guys. I don't know. I, I feel like he was just uh, brought me, on for like an me, MTV show to friends. make it like younger and hipper. No, that's no, fine. no. Well, that's I, how I to feel me, about it like, when I watch it. Yeah, I, I feel I, like Ryan don't fit in better than him, even though he brought Ryan in. And I
1: I don't. I just think, I think that like they all represent certain archetypes. And I hear what you're saying. And I think you can bond to different archetypes. I think there are people who love Steve-O and there are people who love Johnny. And I think there are people who, you know, there was something about it where I really appreciated Bam. I think I appreciated... The way he thought about the show and the way he kind of pushed the limits, even like when he was saying, like, they were going to do that bit where uh, the strongman hits the bell with the uh, with the big hammer. Oh, yeah. He was oh, like, it it's got to a... be
0: a dildo. It's got to be a dildo.
1: And there's something funny. It's like, well, look, he's he's right. And and as much as he's hard on other people, he does that one prank where he literally uh, skateboards into a glass wall like, you know, he.
0: And he gets branded, but that's because like getting branded was his idea and he couldn't get anybody else to agree to get branded. So it was like, well, it was my idea, so I have to do it myself. But still. But I I think it's a I like Jasper. I think Jasper's a great trade-in. Jasper, like Jasper Jasper is one of the last men standing. Like that kid will do anything. I love him in loiter squad. And so just to have him here.
1: Poopies to me is is amazing. And, Leiter, and by the way, Loiter <laughs> Squad, uh, also, uh, you know, uh, directed with by Lance Bangs, uh, who is a camera opera like we talked about on on this, uh, you know, has a similar vibe. But I think there is. Yeah, Loiter uh, Squad's super fun. Yeah. I th- and I, I just think that I think that they're all flavors in the rainbow and an all BAM show I'm not interested in, but I miss seeing BAM's parents. I'm missing Bam's parents in this movie like uh, in the new movie I, I miss that and I missed him jockeying for like control with Knoxville I feel like there was a little bit of that you know and whether or not that was good or bad I feel like there's an energy there that I think you know just continued to spike I don't think the movie misses anything but I did miss his contribution to it and I think that he is a very big reason why it works, because he is one of seven flavors. Fair not enough. just, you know, and that, I mean, that's, you know, and again, not, not all my cup of tea, but that's how I feel. So, Amy, obviously we had a very, uh, I think probably even longer than we intended, conversation about these movies. Um, but what was the reaction when this movie comes out? Because this movie is kind of, again the little engine that could right this movie comes out and it's it's not expected to do well it doesn't have a big budget it it kind of is coming out at a moment when we are being protective of our kids like we said and and what like what is yeah what what happens here well i
0: will say out. the reviews have gotten better and better over the course of the franchise like the first movie was in the 40s on Rotten Tomatoes. Now with the fourth movie, it's up in the 80s. Um, I actually have to add my review onto Rotten Tomatoes right now. I haven't done it as we're speaking. Um, so the critical approval has risen throughout the series. They make more money. They are more uh, critically loved. I think now that people are on the wavelength, which I would agree. Of them all, I think the one that I'm most likely to want to put in is still three. Although I want to sit with four for a little bit, but I just I have had I've had ten years to love and worship three. So I need a minute to decide whether or not I think four stands equal with it. Um, But I did pull out a very negative review of the very first Jackass movie when critics were like, what am I watching? Uh, From Lou Lemonick of the New York Post, he called his review, the plot sickens. And he wrote, to call Jackass the movie the worst movie of the year is practically a compliment. This plotless, crudely videotaped collection of moronic stunts is a movie in the same sense that these hideous, velvet depictions of Elvis are paintings. Nobody immolates himself in the big screen version, which is a longer, cruder version of the TV show. But Johnny Knoxville and the other stunt players push the envelope of pain and bad taste to the point where the proceedings almost become dull. Also included are a number of rude, candid camera-style stunts, including a fake jewel robbery and a public defecation that are staged with supposed civilians, mostly in Japan, whose reactions look totally fake. So that's Lou being like, this ain't real. Uh, And he closes by saying, the depressing thing is that the mostly male audience at a screening last night laughed heartily at what was half a step up from a snuff film. An appalling illustration of just how low corporate America will pander to make a buck.
1: I'm certainly not surprised that that was a reaction. And a lot of the movies that we've talked about that have gone on to be, you know, landmark films have had this reaction because people don't get it. And I think what we've just kind of described here and what we've kind of shown over the course of literally like 19 years or 20 years that these movies have been going on, you know, they started in 2002, the the Jackass TV show started before that, um, has been... That it not only stays, but it improves. It gets better. It grows with them. It doesn't feel sweaty. I mean, the fact that they didn't even want to do four unless they knew it wouldn't feel that way and the fact that they got everybody together. Spike Jones got everybody together in a house and they kind of did this, like, audition where they got the new people together and the old people together and just taped some bits and, like, let's watch it back and make sure it feels like something that we would want to watch. And they saw it and they're like, okay, it works. Let's go make this. And I think that you... They are very much masters of their domain. They have not maxed out this franchise. They've grown this franchise, whether that is Bad Grandpa. And, and I think you could also point in a little direction, too. that this is the reason why maybe Action Point doesn't work as much, because Action Point does have all these elements, but with a plot, but it's not as engaging You don't see people
0: cheered for Johnny Knoxville when he falls and hits himself. You see people be like, that was stupid, kind of like an Adam Sandler comedy. So it doesn't work for me.
1: It it just I think what it does is like they understand what you want to see. They're not going to load it down with dumb plot. They're not going to give you like, you know, and I think Eric Andre worked a really great middle ground to that. I think it's hard to do a prank movie really well. But I think that like they're not doing prank movies. They're doing stunts. They give stunts. Eric Andre has like pranks with stunts in them but they are really like to me at the end of the day these are stunts and even the pranks are not like scripted as much as they are just like, with the exception of like the taxi cab and stuff like that they're like it's very it's very like kind of base and i think that they are smart to kind of keep in this lane and dole it out the way that they've been doling it out without overexposure and i think that like to see this over 20 years that review is proven wrong
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right So which one are you putting forth then?
1: I think I would go with three. I feel the same exact way as you do. Uh, I have to sit with four. I'd like to see it again. It feels so fresh to me, but I also think if we are saying that it goes to space, I would say, here's my reasons why. It's the first 3D movie that we've put up to space. It is the full jackass cast. That's all the flavors, all your main characters. Um, you
0: keep saying flavors, but you know it's like really gross flavors.
1: I mean, I mean yeah, I it's guess like
0: it. it's like those it's like those Willy Wonka jelly beans that all just taste like poop and pee.
1: Bernie's bots, the uh, Harry yeah. Potter ones. Yeah, those. Uh, well, okay, be it as it may. There's the full cast, and I just think that that movie right now feels like the one I would put forward because I think that is the culmination of that version of jackass there might be a new version of jackass that you know continues with jasper and uh and poopies Poopies and rachel wolfson but i want to put the classic jackass cast to space and i want to do it with 3d
0: now that we are wrapping up talking about the jackass movies i know we said that we're going to do the shining next but honestly i feel like we need to get our posh cred back just a little bit can we So I would like to insert a last-minute addition into our snowbound, snowing films, snow festival, snow-aganza. I want to do a foreign film. I want to do a highbrow, pinkies out, make a hot tea film that is actually really tremendous fun. I think anybody who sees this is going to love it if you haven't already. It was actually even remade into a comedy with Julia Louise Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. I'm speaking, of course, of Force Majeure from 2014. It is Swedish. It is about... A Marriage Gone Awry? It is about an avalanche? You have not seen this movie, Paul. I'm very excited for you to watch it. I'm
1: really excited to see it. I don't know why I've never made time for it, but I've always wanted to, so I'm excited excited to get a chance to do it.
0: Where do you come from? From Sweden. Sweden, very good. I'll make you the beauty picture together. Come on. One, two, smile. Good one. fördi Thomas jobbar så mycket. Så nu får han fem dagar bara på sin familj. såna Ja, 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 de vet vad de gör.
1: det. Här är det,
0: här It was quite uh, shocking.
1: Everyone is fine. I mean, they they know what they're doing. He got so scared that he ran away from the table.
0: Well, this will be great. I highly recommend everybody out there watch Force Measure if you haven't, because your cinema-loving friends have absolutely made references to it. And if not, you can be that nerd who makes references to it. Uh, So, yeah, next week we put down the disgusting underwear and we pick up the husband and wife in a snowbound Alp squabbling.
1: All right. So we'll see you next week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Remember to rate and review this podcast and tell your friends about it. And if you want to join in on the big conversation about Marge as a flirt, you can go and buy yourself a shirt at T Public that says uh, DT Fargo. Uh, so DTF uh, Fargo shirt over at TPublic.com. Just search for the unspooled store and you'll find it right there. And keep the conversation going on our Discord, which you can visit at slash uh, Paul Shear under the unspooled section.